Blog Talk Radio. Hello and welcome to Cinephiles Radio. I'm your host, Steve Pisa. Thank you so much for joining us today. Today we have Morgan Liria, writer, producer, director, actress. We're looking forward to talking to her today. We've been talking to a couple people that have worked on The Fifth Passenger for the past couple episodes. Can't wait to talk to her about that. How have all you guys been doing? Cooped up in your houses right now. Are you writing that book? Are you reading that book? Are you watching that movie? Are you writing that movie? This is your time. You're cooped up in your house. Stop watching that one Netflix show about the tiger guy. (laughs) That is just insane stuff. Start getting to work. Give us a call. 515-602-9609. Let us know how you're doing. Also, let me know what, what TV show I should be watching right now. I just finished off the card. Love that show. Season finale just happened. Wonderful. I won't give you any any spoilers, but it was a great, great episode. I finished off Grace and Frankie last night. The seventh season will be the last season. I just finished season six. Can't wait to watch season seven. It's really a fantastic show. Jane Fonda and Lily Tomlin are just hilarious. Though I will say Lily Tomlin's character is a, a little insane. Just it's just a tad bit. A couple people were telling me to watch a couple shows on Netflix. I don't know what I'm going to watch next. I haven't finished Sabrina the Teenage Witch. I thought the 12 episodes I saw were, were fantastic. There's a show called Unorthodox, I believe. That was suggested to me. I, I, I think I'm going to watch that next. Unorthodox. But there is a show called, by Octavia Spencer that Octavia Spencer is in on Netflix right now that is just amazing. It's called Self Made. I think that, sh- that show is a four-part series. I thought that four-part series produced and created by Warner Brothers was amazing. And Octavia Spencer is, is certainly a miracle. Give me a call. 
Let me know you've been watching. I want to hear about it. Self-made, like I said, it's just a fantastic show. Been watching a lot of old movies, Star Wars. Let me see what else. I watched Sonic the Hedgehog. That was a good movie. I like Sonic the Hedgehog. That was a good movie. I see we have Morgan on the line right now. Let's get her on here. Oh, we lost contact there. Uh-oh. Back to my song there. trying to figure out how to get on the show right now so we're just going to wait a couple minutes wait for it to get on in the meantime let's talk about some music here and we had Sage on recently and I recommend you, you look her up on YouTube listen to some of her songs she is, she is quite a talent she's very young she's a new person coming in, into the music stream but she's, she's really fantastic so Watch, watch out for Sage. You've heard a couple songs, and you, you heard her on the radio show recently. And she is she's quite the talent. So we can't wait to have her on again and listen to what she has. See, I see we have Morgan on right now, so let's just uh, let's just get her on here. Morgan. Hey, how are you, Steve? Hey, hey. Hey, good. How about you? We we, we got you on here. <laughs> good, good. Sorry for the delay. No worries, no worries. So before we we get we get started here, how how are you and your family doing during during this uh, lock in? Um. Well, I we're actually pretty good. I mean, all things considered, I I feel really lucky that um, my husband's job they went remote like a week before everyone had to go remote. So, and that's a nice. really easy transition for him. And I'm able to do a lot of things remote and I mean, we have food and we're healthy. And so I feel really, really lucky. How have you been doing? All We've this? been doing very well. I, you know, the important question is, do you have enough toilet paper? <laughs> <laughs> it is, it is the question on everyone's lips. We actually, actually we do because um, I'm like really into not using plastics and trying not to create waste. And so a couple of years back, I started getting into this habit of buying from restaurant supply stores because you can buy ah, huge boxes smart. of toilet paper. Yeah, yeah. And they're um, paper wraps, so you don't have to deal with the plastic. Yeah. So I, you know, about once a year, I do a bunch of research and I find the cheapest um, deal I can get of paper wrapped recycled toilet paper. And then we, I just kind of squirrel it away, you know, and so we've actually right. been fine and... um 
Yeah. I mean, I didn't foresee any of that happening. Like who would have thought toilet paper would be the hot item item of 2020, but um, I know that that's, that's the scariest thing. It's not a Tesla. It's not like the new uh, Apple watch. It's toilet paper. No, it's toilet paper. Um, (laughs) But it kind of just puts everything in perspective, I guess. How are you doing with everything and, and, your supplies. I'm doing, I'm doing well, you know. I'm just worried about with some of my family in Italy. You know, the, uh, I have a lot of family yeah. in Italy, so I'm very worried about them, and I'm worried about my mom in, in San Francisco right now. But uh, I'm doing fine. I'm, I'm healthy, and and uh, the good thing right now is that nobody has an excuse not to be on the radio show since they're all at home. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> it's true, and I think there's been a lot of good things coming out of this. I think it's really neat right. how like all the arts and the culture and how right. so many things are available online. Like I right. toured Frida Kahlo's house in Mexico city yesterday. And right. that was really exciting. <laughs> so yeah. um, I don't know. Well, it, it's, it's really interesting. It, it is like God sent us to our room and said, you know, think about what you've been doing, you know? And, it, and uh, mm-hmm. I think a lot of, a lot of people have been taking stock into, you know, their investment of time and, and how they've been spending their time. And a lot of people are are writing that script or writing that book or reading that book or watching that movie that they've been waiting to do because they don't have, they don't have any more excuses um, yeah. to not do so. Yeah, I agree. I think, yeah, definitely. And um, luckily with writing or writing is one of those beautiful things where you can literally just do it anywhere. Um, oh, absolutely. Mediums. So uh, yeah, I, I also, I also think it's interesting too, though, because I do know a lot of people, I think, I think now people are settling in, but the first couple of weeks, I think people, when you're in survival mode, you're really not right. in the mood to create anything. So I think a lot of people right. were panicking and just trying to figure out. So nothing was getting done, but now right. we're kind of settling into it. And well, I've been I've been writing my script, you know, here here in my apartment, and I've been you know pretty much by myself doing it for several several months now. So I've been in self isolation by myself. Mm-hmm. But but totally. the first week, you know, when the president was talking and, and we were going through this lockdown thing, that's when I could not be creative for that week. I was just pretty much in anxiety mode. Whereas like the numbers were piling up and, and everybody was talking in a certain way. It was that week I just I couldn't write a darn thing. And it was that, that's mm-hmm. kind of disconcerting when, when you're in that situation. Yeah, yeah, and then you're, I think you're very, I was very distracted, and, you know, you constantly are checking the news and looking at social media and just trying to, right. I think your brain's just racing, trying to figure out, like, what does this mean, how is this going to unfold, and, right. yeah, I think all of us, and it is, it's very distracting, and I was having difficulty focusing, but. Yeah, but now, now everybody has a sense of what's going on, and it's just pretty much the same thing over and over again, so it's, it's like Groundhog's yeah. Day to a certain extent, so I think people are kind of leveling it out, but. You're not an LA girl originally. You're from you're from Chico, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, I nice. am from Northern California, and I still yeah. have family up there, and um, love San Francisco. And yeah, we have a we have a lot uh, of friends from from Chico. You know, no way. The, yeah, the lead singer of, of Sublime was from Chico. Um, yeah. Sean Piccinino. I don't know if, if you know who he is, but he was from Chico as well. So there's a lot of directors, a lot of producers, a lot of actors that came from Chico. What, what do you think it is about Chico that that kind of manifests? I mean, they have their own radio, their own uh, TV stations as well, or their own channels. So they have their own commercials, daily commercials and what have you. So I know a lot of actors did a lot of commercials out there. Did you ever do any commercials out in Chico? No, I didn't. When I, um, the minute I could move out and leave, I did. Um, <laughs> so I, I didn't ever really do that. 
Um, I don't know what it is about Chico. I, I think about this sometimes, too, because there's a lot of great stuff that comes out of Chico um, yeah. arts and culture, but then also things like the Clean Canteen came out of Chico and right. Chico, yeah. Chico Bag and Sierra Nevada yeah. Beer. And I don't know. I think it's it's a really neat place. And um, honestly, I have no idea. Like, it attracts a right. certain type of person, and there's a good university there. So there's there's some culture and... Yeah. Um, well, why, why, why are you there? Did, did, I mean, you went to Chico High. I mean, did you did you yeah. always want to be a creative person ever since you were a young girl? Yeah, yeah absolutely. And for me, I, I mean, I, I'm glad it was my hometown, and I'm glad I grew up there. But I couldn't wait to leave because right. my definition of culture, I needed more. I needed you know more right. museums and opera, more diversity, more people. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Much more diversity and. Um, um, but I did, you know, like I was always very creative and. Um, I was always painting and my teachers would always take note and sometimes I'd get in special programs to be more art focused. And, um, right. um, yeah, so that was always it. And, you know, in high school, everyone kept telling me like, Oh, you should be a writer. You should be a writer. And, and right. I turned up my nose and got a bit haughty <laughs> and said, no, I'm, I'm going to be an actress. And so, um, so I moved to LA after I right. looked at the numbers of New York and realized like how much that was going to cost. Right. Um, yeah. Um, and I got a couple grants and I just, I moved to Los Angeles and I went to school and then I kind of never, I mean, I, I've never left and yet really. So. I, had a, I had a director at a festival ask me, you know, where should I go? I mean, she was de- definitely asking me, you know, where should I go, LA or New York? And I said, I, I cannot tell you that. You, you have to yeah. discover that for yourself. I mean, if anybody Absolutely. tells you an answer, you should definitely think of that person as, as a liar. Because yeah, it's, really, it's, it's really self-identified. <laughs> I agree. Well, especially now, because, I mean, you could be in Austin. You could be in um, Atlanta. New Orleans still has some production. You know, there's, right. there's so many places. And really, I think with technology now, um, you could right. be anywhere. You can create you can. art. Yeah. And so um, wherever, wherever suits you best, I think, is where you should be. And some places are definitely more... Um, affordable, <laughs> right. right? Los Angeles or New York? Yeah. Well, I have yeah. some recent writer and director friends that moved to Florida. I mean, that's probably the one place that I, oh, I would yeah. be like, ooh. But but <laughs> they have they moved to Florida to to write and direct and do their own thing. It's like, yeah, you could pretty much be anywhere and fly to, fly to L.A. within four to five hours and and be out Absolutely. here for a production. And Florida has a great um, independent you know, filmmaker scene and, and they have right. a great art scene there too. And Borscht Collective is doing such great work and they're always right. like in Sundance and yeah. So, I mean, I think that's smart and right. And they're like state sales tax. So you save a bunch there, but they have all those toll roads, which are lovely. Like they do to drive on. Yeah, it's but like San Francisco. I, 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 I hate toll roads. I, they drive me nuts. Oh, me too. Me too. oh yeah. Well, they always say like, you know, I have the quick pass, so it's easy. It's like, no, 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 no. That's that still seems snobby and, mm-hmm. and kind of out of touch. Yeah, I, I, that you're paying to drive on a road, and yeah, um, you pay taxes, so you're paying right. twice too. Right, um, exactly. Where are you based, Steve? I'm based in LA. Oh, okay. Yeah, I'm out here in LA. I'm I'm I'm, I'm near the beach. Nice. Can you yeah. still go to the beach? Are you still going to the beach? No, 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 no. They closed everything down hard 
I know. Well, it's 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 fine. You know, you know, you know. What's difficult yeah. is that I'm I'm a photographer and a cinematographer as well. So you know, I I can't really do any photography right now, which is pretty yeah. pretty much fine. I can do social distancing because my lens is pretty long. So the, the, the model could literally be seven seven miles away from me, and I could still take a great pic. But that kind wow. of art need yeah that kind of art needs to take a break for right now. Now, have you, have you, did you act in high school or grade school as well? Or did you wait to get out of there to start acting? No, I did. I did community stuff around town and, um, just kind of fell in love with it. And, um, I auditioned for some plays that were at Chico state, um, but I didn't get into those and I just did the best I could. And then, um, and then I auditioned for the American Academy down here in Los Angeles, and it, I got right. in, and they made the move. Now, how um, was the American Academy but, for you? Oh, it was, it was good. I think, um, you know, it's a two-year conservatory program, and I think what it does really, really well is it um, gives you a taste of all different, all sorts of tools that you'll need. And so you kind of dip your toe in a, a myriad of ways of acting, Um and then, but I think when you get out of that, for me, certainly, maybe not everyone, but I needed to keep studying just because I needed more. But they right. had one class I look back and I really appreciate was this class called Styles. And it was actually Ooh. taught by um, a woman who had a couple guest stars on Star Trek, um, The Next hmm. Generation. Um, and wow. she, uh, yeah, yeah. And she, what was great about that class was that it's all about the different styles of acting. And so, like, the different periods of theater, like, um, you know, the Reformation and right. Shakespeare, like classic and, and just like how every writer really has a different style of acting. And I think that's so important because when you're auditioning for TV or, you know, film, like right. these different right. genres, like there's different styles. And so I thought that was really smart. And um, right. I don't know if all programs have that, but I thought that was a really a really good class to kind of wrap your brain around. Cause I'd never really thought about that. And I mean, in retrospect, you're like, yes, of course, you know, sure. everything has its own, its own milieu, its own environment, right. its own cadence. Um, right. But as like an 18 year old, I never thought about that. Well, I don't know how you can without any past reference, but it was kind of a coincidence mm-hmm. that you worked on that. And then later on in the fifth passenger, you worked with a lot of the Trek people, but we'll get to that a little bit later on. Uh, you know, did you in that class? Did you did you did you see yourself being a producer, director, writer? Did you see yourself becoming all of these things that you are right now? Um, no, but I wish I would have. To be honest, hmm. um, I didn't. I think I was just. First of all, I was like really young and dumb, and hmm. um, I, I don't think there was any. I don't. I don't think you can be anything else but young and dumb. Totally. So that I was definitely really good at that. I was really good at being dumb. And I just moved to this big city. And really the first year in Los Angeles, I don't know if you experienced this, but I, I just, I had to like kind of keep my head down and acclimate um, and just kind of wrap my brain around um, where I was and, right. you know, the layout of everything and um, meeting people and where to go for groceries and all that right. stuff and how to get the, around the city. So it, it definitely took me a while. And I don't know, I'm a bit, I'm, 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 I was a bit late to the party. Like, I'm just like a, I needed more, like I mentioned before, like I definitely needed more training. So when I was at the Academy, I was just soaking it all in and 
and meeting some great people and really trying to do my best, but definitely was not done yet. And I don't think you're ever really right. done though. I mean, do you ever feel no. like that? I feel like you're constantly, yeah. You're constantly learning. You're, the process is, is a consistent thing. Mm-hmm. Which is exciting, I think. And, you know, what always cracks me up is like, I'm, I don't, I'm sure you experience this too. Like you finish a script and you're like, this is my finest work. And then a month later you read it and you're like, Oh my gosh, I've already evolved past this. And right. um, yeah. So I, 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 have I, a love that though. I have a different experience. You know, my, my experience is that my, my crappiest work or my quickest work has been produced and made into film. Um, really? I shouldn't say my crappiest work, but, but the, yeah, the stuff that I, I don't think twice about that I just make and I create just gets made. And the stuff that I really, really think about just really, it takes a long, like oxtail, it just takes a long time to cook. And it's one of those things that just takes a long time to manifest, you know, it's That's very really different. What do you think, what do you think that is? You know, I, I think, you know, the faster you do something, I think the less time you have to uh, sit on it or to, to overthink it or to overwrite it or to overpopulate the script with, with a lot of uh, syntax or a lot of secondary emotions that are, are unnecessary. I think I think when you do it the first run, I think it's just cleaner and uh, straight to the point. Think oh, about think really about like this. That. You know, yeah, yeah. Think about this when you when you write somebody like a love letter or, or a poem or something like that. If you write it really quick, it comes out really beautiful. But if you if you think about it, then you start thinking that maybe I'm doubling up here. This is uh, this is, sounds redundant. Uh, this doesn't sound. You start to second guess yourself. Sure. So doubt. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, as writers, I, I think, you know, this, I, I think we do sometimes put our own doubt into our own work. So it's best just to really put it out there. I think so too. I think, I mean, I think part of also what you're saying is like, you just channeled this thing and it just kind of came right. out of you and you didn't right. censor it. And then it really right. struck a chord with people enough to where they wanted, they saw the value in it and they wanted to make it. And right. Um, yeah. Yeah, I wrote um, I wrote my script of War Baby in, in literally like 15 minutes, and then I wrote wow. uh, you know yeah, and I, I wrote like maybe a, a a 30 page script in about you know two hours, and then I got, I got a a crew of 45 people within a certain amount of I mean within 48 hours, so it was it was just very fast. It was very fast. That's incredible. Yeah, but but I, I didn't like that think... sometimes too. Yeah. Oh, go, go ahead. ahead. Sorry. No, go ahead. Just because like, you don't have time to think about it, right? So you, yeah. Like, you, you know, like before it's over, I mean, before you realize it's happening, it's over. And then, you know, we, I think we do do that a lot as artists, too. Is we do doubt ourselves. And um, sometimes it's just nice to get caught up in it so you don't have that time to second right. guess in any sort of way. Well, what was your experience on, on Colony One? I mean, you directed that. So did you, did you have a, a, an experience that was, you know, hesitant or were you just full-blown going ahead on it? Um, yeah, I had this concept. It started with this concept of, um, when we first started talking about going to Mars, um, there was this organization called Mars One, and they said, like, if you send in this letter, you know, like a, a video and pitch yourself as to why we should select you, uh, you might get selected. And so I watched a lot of these videos, and I just was fascinated by it. Like, and it started getting me thinking about, like, you know, who would leave Earth um, what type of person does it take to leave Earth and why? Right. And um, so out of that sprung the script, which I've now developed into a feature. Um, oh, you're going to make it a feature? Film, yeah, well, a feature script. Um, nice. I like, just 
finished it a couple of weeks ago. So that feels really good. Um, Wonderful. Yeah. Yeah. It's such a great feeling. Um, but with the short, I needed to just make a short. And so I got some friends together and we did this thing and um, I feel really good about it. It was great. Like no money. Um, and again, it right. was just the concept and I wanted to see how the concept would play out. Um, right. And I liked it and it's very artsy. Um, and the script, re- the feature script, I took that and I retained some of that, but I developed it much more, which was a really lovely process. Um, what was it? Was and then it more, I changed it. Was it more fleshing out the characters? Was that, was that what you were focusing on right there? Um, yeah, I mean, and I, I took this concept of this woman wanting to colonize, be a part of the colonization process of Mars. And, um, I switched it to Titan after my husband told me about Titan, he had read something and then I did a bunch of research. And, um, I think it's, to me, I was like, when I read about Titan and I, I thought like, why is everyone talking about Mars? Because the reality is, is if we, yeah, I didn't know this, but like you have to live underground or everyone dies from radiation in a couple of years. Yeah, yeah. And so I'm like, well, <laughs> then why is Bezos and Elon and, you know, like, why aren't we talking and having a real conversation about this? Because if right. we're just going to live underground in Mars, like, why not just stay on Earth? Like, and, um, <laughs> and then so anyways, but I took that idea and I, and when I researched Titan, I was like, wow, this is, you know, it's so cinematic. Um, like, you know, Saturn, the rings of Saturn in the, in the background, it's beautiful and all this ice everywhere, this um, right. methane ice. And you can fly, um, right. more or less. So you can float. And so I, I really fell in love with this idea of going to Titan. So I took this feeling and this lead character and, and developed and that idea of, like, who would leave and why. Um, right. And I took him to Titan and then developed the story there. So That's great. Yeah, and it was – thank you. I, I, it was so much fun. Like, I just uh, – so much fun to develop it. And um, I put a pandemic in there, of course, because um, – <laughs> I figured if you're leaving earth, you probably had to have a really good reason. And, um, you know, after reading about the climate crisis and everything that's going to happen, if we keep right. on this path, um, there's going to be more and more pandemics. And so I just kind of picked this one and went with it. And, and there's other things like, you know, the crops are failing and babies aren't being born. And um, right. so amid all this, this group of colonists go to Titan to colonize it and be the first colonists there and create, this new life. Well, that sounds great. And, oh, I, thank you. I, Titan, Titan sounds like a great place to go to. Titan or IO sounds like an excellent place mm-hmm. to go to. Right, right off the cusp of Jupiter. Yeah, yeah, I think so. I mean, I think it'd be fun to visit. Um, the more I, I just the more I read about all these other planets, I get really excited. But the more I, I love Earth, like how great right. is it here? And <laughs> yeah, <laughs> um. um I just feel so lucky that we have this planet nice. and we can breathe Absolutely. the air and drink the water. Yeah. <laughs> was this your, the first script that you, that you wrote or did you write many scripts before this? Um, you wrote two star, right? This, yeah. So I, but I wrote that with a friend. I co-wrote it with my friend Jacob who um, I had auditioned for. He was going to USC, the film program there yeah. and I auditioned for him and we just hit it off and so we worked together a lot and did a lot of student of his student films together and then when he graduated we were going to make a feature so we wrote this feature together but it was just taking forever as you know because we right. do and right. so we made this uh short film and I was really proud of it like I'd made a couple before that but this like went to some 
decent festivals. We went, we premiered at the East End Festival in London, and that was just an amazing experience. And then I went to a couple other ones. It did really well on Island for some reason. Hmm. Um, yeah, it was fascinating. And um, and then during that time, um, I joined this film collective, and I met Scott Baker. And Scott had made this 48-hour short film. He had made a couple of them. And I had seen his work. And then Two Star was just finishing up and starting to go to the festivals. And I think he helped me. They helped, he helped us with, like, subtitles for Italy because it played in Italy. And, nice. um Yeah, and so we saw each other's work. And then um, Scott approached me with this idea for Fifth Passenger. And I just thought, like, oh, this is a fantastic idea. So we started um, creating that together. Um, nice. Yeah, Scotty Baker yeah. has his finger in, finger in a lot of people's pies. <laughs> yeah, he does. He's a very busy man. Um, he is. He's a, well, we just had we just had Manu on, on uh, Intrami just on a couple of days ago, so he was he was talking about you and, and Fifth Passenger as well. But I, I want to get to you know your acting before we get to the, get to that point because you know we don't have a lot of time with you. You have your your, your writing group at eleven thirty. But uh, what was the first thing that you acted in down here in LA that that you felt very proud of, like your first short that you worked on? Sorry, I'm thinking. Um, <laughs> um, you know, honestly, like, I always was really appreciative that I, because, you know, it's, it's very competitive here, and I would go on a right. lot of auditions. And Was there something you did that, that made you feel like, okay, I've, I've got this going on, I've, I've, I'm, I'm settled, I've got this? No. I mean, I, I never, no, unfortunately. <laughs> no, I just, I mean, every time was, uh, I was just, it was an experience and I was appreciative of that experience and it really right. wasn't until I made two star and I was able to create something with someone else or on my own, you know, produce and write it that I felt like, Oh, this is what I really like. If that right. makes sense. No, totally. So I would, yeah. So it was really that process that I kind of came alive and really got excited and passionate about creating more films because it was just such a a really lovely experience. Um, But I'm really grateful that all these other, you know, every time I worked, it was so much fun and I loved meeting new people and being on different sets and getting this opportunity to, to act. And especially now knowing like what goes into it, you know, it's such a process. And so anyone who invites you into their project, it's such an honor. um, It is. No matter. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I mean, it's, yeah. It's just such a process. So it's a, diff- it's a very difficult process, and when, you know, casting is one of those things where it can go, it can go a lot of different directions really fast. So when mm-hmm. people invite you to the party, it's it's a pretty nice feeling. It is. It's it's huge. I yeah. totally agree. I mean, um, it's it's just such a compliment to be a part of anyone's projects and and their passion project or yeah. whatever it is, because it is it is a lot of work and. Um, and there's been so much work that was put into it by the time you get to the place where you're able to just roll onto set act and, you know, eat some snacks and then go home, you know? So, um, right. Yeah. I, really I love craft thing. services. Craft services is amazing. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I know we're so spoiled. I, mean, I know. Yeah. I know. <laughs> so tell me a little bit about, about fifth passenger. Cause I, I know, 
uh, a lot like Tim Russ was in it and, and you know, Manu was in it and Hanahate and Scotty Baker, Scotty Baker was part of that. And you're a part of that. So how did, how did that come about? We, um, so as I mentioned, you know, I had met Scott and he had pitched me this idea and, um, and he asked, you know, oh, you know, I think you'd be great for the lead. And do you want to help me write this? And I said, absolutely. So we started meeting once, twice a week. And towards the end of the writing process, it was sometimes three times a week and um, just working on this script together. And um, every time we would tell somebody about it, they would get really excited. And, and that was really, you know, creating art. Most times people don't really care and that's fine. They don't have to care. Right. But right. when you... <laughs> yeah, no one cares. But when you, you tell somebody a story and their eyes light up and they get excited, like I knew that there was something really good going on here. Um, and so we got excited. And then because it's sci-fi, people kept telling us like, oh, you should, you know, do a proof of concept. And and so we finally decided, like we got this opportunity with Neil Johnson. We'd worked with him a little bit, um, mm. each of us in our own di- different ways. And he had these sets. So, like, the day after Thanksgiving one year, I think it was 2014, maybe, 13, um, mm-hmm. I would have to check, uh, we we filmed this concept, this proof of concept, and Scott had met Manu um, on another independent feature film, and Manu had brought in Tim, and Tim had shown up, and he was great, he was fantastic to work with, and we just spent a day shooting this thing, and then we had this proof of concept, and we just kept shopping it around, shopping it around. And, um, and then finally, like nothing was really happening because, you know, it was sci-fi. So we needed a, a big chunk of change and that kept changing. Um, right. at first we thought it was going to be more. And then we kept, you know, trying to like, how can we make this cheaper and how can we do this? How can we do this? And then Mark and Elaine Zikri, have you, do you know them? Yes, I do. Mark and Elaine. Yeah. Yeah. So they were filming, Space Command, and they had this highly successful Kickstarter, which was incredible. And you know, Mark and Elaine were so pros- passionate about this process and this project. And they had these sets, and they were very gracious. And they had a gap in filming, and so Scott and I had this opportunity to film there. And we we decided to go for it, and I'm so glad we did. I mean, we had no money. We had to go to Kickstarter, and people had been asking about it, that too. They're like, "Oh, you know, are you going to crowdfund?" And Scott and I were like, "No, no, 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 no crowdfunding here." <laughs> but then we kind of had to, and so we didn't have any time to prep, and we just launched this thing. And Ryan came on board. Ryan Husk, who was Ryan D. Husk, who, that yeah. man is like, yeah, he's amazing. He's like so yeah. good at social media. He's like the moderator of all these Star Trek groups, and he's just—it's like his superpower. He's so good at interacting with people um, through social media and really, I don't know, he speaks the language and he's so charming and he's so funny right. and he's really yes. good at it. So we, yeah, yeah. So he came on as co-producer and kind of guided us through this Kickstarter campaign, which I was just so grateful for. Um, and we were successful because of people like you and, you know, other people started caring and um, it was really amazing. Like we were just blown away that we were able to make this project, but well, you got you got but, Doug Jones in there as well, didn't you? Yeah, yeah, because of Ryan. Um, Ryan yeah. is really good friends with Doug, and Doug's lovely. And um, yeah. we had this one character, and we had talked about like you know which actor would be best for it. And then at the end of the day, Doug was just the best. And yeah. for me, I was 
so excited about working with Doug Jones um, yeah. because his work is just oh, incredible. So He's I was amazing. a little, I was, I was, I wasn't nervous around the Star Trek actors. Like, I mean, obviously I was like thrilled because these people are incredible. They're like all really lovely. They're all really, right. really professional and they're awesome actors. But I, I got a little geekier on Doug Jones. It was a little embarrassing. <laughs> like, cause he's so amazing, you know? And but then the funny part is, is like, he's the most um, welcoming and warm and lovely person. So he he's like the last person you should be awkward and geeky around, but there right. you are. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, you know, he's so, so affable. He's so kind and, and lovely. He uh, he, he's one of those people that it, it, it's very easy to get geeky around him because, first of all, he's been in so many films. Uh, he, oh. You know, what, you know, th- when I met him, you know, I, I had a, it's, I met him several times. I've known him for quite a long time, but I, I had to tell him, you know, the reason oh. why I knew knew who he was is because of Guillermo del Toro. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he was he was in a lot of Guillermo del Toro's films, so that that's how I first yeah. knew who he was. But that, that's a huge deal to me. Is if Guillermo loves you, then then I need to immediately love you as well. Exactly. Uh, and, yeah. Like, you know what I mean? Absolutely, I agree. And like you know, and to be a part of these incredible films, like yeah, I agree. I yeah. totally agree. Like, and the fact that he does have that relationship with Guillermo del Toro, and yeah, he's constantly in his films, just was really exciting. Yeah, we're, I'm having, um, I have a, a lot of Star Trek people on this show. I had Doug, Doug on uh, maybe about uh, on, the, on the first episode of the seventh season about six months ago, and it was great having him on. Oh. He was, we were talking about him in Canada. We were talking about his show and, and, and what have you. So it was, it was great having him on. Uh, but I'm talking to all of his people that he's, he's been in contact with and working with, especially you guys, working on Fifth Passenger and what have you. So how how did you get over that after a certain amount of time? Did you get over that, that geekiness with him? No, I don't think so. Because <laughs> I admire him so much. Like, he's so cool. Right. And now he's in, you know, Star Trek Discovery. And, right. Um, like, his star is just rising higher, higher, higher. And I think more and more people are seeing what an incredible, I mean, actor he is. Like, for me... Like, I think, you know, acting is hard enough. And then, but with right. him, you know, he has all the physicality and right. you know, he has to sit there and get makeup put on him. Like, you know, that's, so he's tired. Like he has to arrive on set before everyone else and right. and be in the physicality and, and moving within these prosthetics. And it's just such a talent um, and it's such a specific talent. Yeah. Um, yeah. I just, I well, really admire him. Yeah. When you look at him in, in Pan's Labyrinth, I mean, it was, it was quite a shock that he didn't get nominated for anything. Uh, for mm-hmm. for Pan's Labyrinth because that was quite a difficult role to do and, and quite a beautiful yeah. film. Absolutely, that's kind of when I, I, yeah. I mean, he's he he made that film like he was incredible so, in that film. So so Fifth Passenger. So you got a, you got a lot of the, you got a lot of Trek people into that that film. We did. We got really really lucky, and I think you know when Scott and I were working on it and creating this world and creating this project together. Um, I didn't think that we'd have all these Star Trek people. Like, I didn't know. Um, I don't think he did either. I don't know what right. he said that. But he had mentioned he really wanted Ethan Phillips for the role that um, Armin Schimmerman eventually played. And we and he was, you know, because it was like this kind role. Um, and Ethan Phillips just was had this really great disposition for it. And, and that kind of started us on this Star Trek path. And then when um, Scott reached out to him and he seemed interested and then Scott met Manu and then it just kind of, you know, snowballed. And of course, cause Manu, 
went to all the conventions, like they're all really right. good friends. And he brought on Tim Russ and um, Manu suggested Marina Sirtis for the role of Alana. So we got really yeah. lucky there. And then Ryan actually suggested Hana because he, um, she, I think he had met her through social media somehow and they had been chatting. Yeah. And so, so all these people, it was great. And then now Doug Jones and everyone and, um, yeah, Hana Hate is fantastic. I, I like her as an actress. Yeah. I, as a friend, she's really a, a, a great person as well. Yeah, she is. She is yeah. she's a great person. And <laughs> I follow her on Instagram. So I'm, you know, I'm up on her life with the dog and everything. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she was, she was lovely. Unfortunately, we didn't, I mean, she only has like a small role. So we didn't get to spend too much time with her. Right. Um, but it was really, it was nice having her there and her mom came on set. So I got to meet her mom. And, um, <laughs> yeah, it yeah. was really neat. It was really, really neat. And I feel like the Star Trek people were perfect and it was, you know, it's also sci-fi. So we were still within right. the genre and, um, they were just such great actors and yeah. And well, it's, re- it's reached a, a large time. audience. I mean, it's on Amazon prime right now. Uh, so mm-hmm. it's reached a pretty large audience. Are, are you satisfied with, with the audience that it's reached and, and where it's gone to? Yeah, I am. I mean, we, I feel like we got really lucky with Epic Pictures distributing us because they're right. a really great company. And um, we were able to reach an international audience in ways that Scott and I, you know, we had no, we couldn't get to, like, we don't have those relationships with those companies. So international has been lovely and um yeah and i think i think it's the most i mean as as we were just discussing making independent right. films is really difficult and now there's like a lot of content and it's always very competitive and so the fact that we were able to reach anyone and right. and get people to watch it i feel really lucky because not I, all films I think, can I, do that I think one of the good things that's coming out of, of this moment in our lives right now is independent films are really getting a, a second breath because you yeah. can only watch so many Netflix shows before you're like, okay, I, I need to take a break and watch something completely different and completely off the cuff. And I, I think uh, like Fifth Passenger will have a second breath during this period. Oh, I hope so. I mean, I, yeah. I, I did have that thought. I was like, oh, maybe more, it'll reach more people now that everyone can't leave their home. <laughs> right. They're, um, they're almost forced to go look through the, 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 you know, the library of Amazon Prime. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, I know I've been doing that, so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I hope so. I hope it reaches more people. And um, I hope it, has, it continues to have life um, afterwards, right. after all this. Yeah. Well, you you have you have other films in the work as well, right? I mean, you have some films that are completed, and you have you have Hench Blog that that has been completed. What was what is Hench Blog about? Um, my friend Reed decided to make this um this blog about a henchman, and he I'd actually met him from the same film collective where I met Scott, and he just asked me to be in it, and he's a lovely man, and I said yes, and I think he's you know he works a lot, he's he's a teacher. So I think he kind of got overwhelmed and I haven't really followed up with him on that project. So I can't really speak more to that. Um, But I have been like you, I've been sitting at home and writing a lot and um, working on these scripts and that feels really good and really active. What are you writing about? um, Well, the first one after, after we filmed Fifth Passenger in 2015 and we, Mm. we finished production and then we went into this, kind of like 
Bermuda Triangle of trying to finish it and getting post-production funds, I immediately right. sat down because I just loved the process so much of creating this, this feature film. And I wrote this other one. I was really inspired by Citizen Four and oh, yeah. Edward Snowden. Yeah, yeah. So I, I created this sci-fi thriller about this woman who's a governmental worker in this surveillance sector in the United States. And she's a part of the system. And then someone she loves goes missing and she goes searching for this woman. And she kind of, her eyes are opened as to her current reality and the part she played in all of it. Um, Just because when I watched Citizen Four, I was just blown away that I had no idea. I don't think anyone did. And that was the whole point of the documentary that the, our government was watching us to this degree and right. Um, and just the, the politics of that, how after 9-11, how our government shifted and changed and created these policies in the name of terrorism and um, just also this concept of, like, what do, you, what do you give up in order to feel safe and, and the sense of security and is it worth it? Right. And I don't have the answers, but just exploring that concept. Right. Um, and then I finished that, and that was really lovely, and I submitted it that to sounds cr- that sounds, and, That sounds lovely and creepy. Oh, thank you. Yeah, I mean, it, um, it was kind of like a very long episode of Black Mirror. <laughs> like, oh, you know, oh that I kind love of Black of, Mirror, yeah. Oh, me too. It's so good. Yeah. You see, we were watching it, and you're like, your guts just ache, and you're like, oh, please not this. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Please don't be too real. Please. <laughs> yes, and then it happens. <laughs> And I, you know, I talked to some people about it and the great thing about scripts is they're like real estate. Like once you have that, it's like a little property and you always have it. And then I started writing Colony One and um, working on that. But then after, you know, I just finished it a couple of weeks ago and um, I've been submitting that and feeling really good about that. And then I just realized like I really want to create something again. So I'm starting to outline something that's cheaper because if anything, I from Fifth Passenger and we were so lucky to make it, but what always stopped us, of course, was the money, you know, and, and money, right. just like any art medium. Well, it like, seems, it, it seems like you're, you're picking a lot, of, a lot of projects that do take a certain amount of money. They do. And so, with this, <laughs> I know. And then so with this one, I'm, I'm trying to, um, I'm trying to just to be a little more prudent and a little more cautious and try to like <laughs> think about like, well, what do I have? What, what can I make with what I have? Um, right. Because that, yeah, because I don't want to, Fifth Passenger was amazing to make, but it was such a long process because we didn't have that money. Like really it was right. like a seven year process. Um, and I want to try to figure out, I think it's an exciting challenge. Like, and I think as artists, you know, we do have to keep creating and sometimes we do stop ourselves because of money, but I feel like, right. as we mentioned before, because of the technology we have now, like why stop? Like what can we, can we make something compelling and high quality sure but low cost with what we have because the technology is so amazing. And, you know, we live in Los Angeles. We have such access to amazing talent. And so that's, right. I'm trying to reel that in. And that's well, it was what we amazing. do with Star too. Oh, really? Go ahead. Just that we, you... you know, Jacob and I wanted to make this short film, but we didn't have a lot of funds. So, you know, what can we make that was interesting and compelling with very little money? And it was great. It was a great process. Do you, do you find yourself being more creative when, when you have limitations on, on, on what you can or cannot do? Um, usually. 
Um, I think so. I, I think, I don't know if you experienced this, but like when you sit down to write something, like you can get overwhelmed because it can be anything. You could write anything. Right. So right. when you have confines, it kind of squeezes your brain in a laser-like focus and you can direct it somewhere. Right. Well, usually when I, when I write things for like the studio, I'll, I'll write things that don't have any limits whatsoever. But when I write mm-hmm. things for myself, I'll write something that I know that I can direct like tomorrow. Yeah, it's smart. That's very yeah. smart. Cause... But that, that's, that's just me. I, I don't know. How, 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 I've never really asked anybody else's process. But I, I do want to talk to you about Call Anyone. What was your process for, for writing that? Was it just sitting down and writing it? Was, was it thinking about the concept first and then let it, let it you know, just you know, digest and going through that? How was it like? Um, well, it started with that idea of like who would leave this gorgeous, beautiful, lush planet where we can drink the water and breathe the air right. to go somewhere unknown and right. really, yeah. And just really meditating on that and feeling that and wondering. So just start off, those start off with be. the basics of, of, of the char- just the character, the main character mm-hmm. and what, what would, what would be the, the modus operandi for this one character exactly. to, to do something that's kind of insane. So that's what you right. started off with. And then I, you built I did. And then, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, and then um, after I realized that Titan made much more sense, um, hmm. I did a ton of research on Titan and read a bunch of books and studied it and tried to visualize it because um, it wasn't until a couple months ago that we actually had maps of Titan. So right. that was thrilling because I had been visualizing what this this um, moon looked like and what did the landscape look like and then to finally like see this actual map, it was thrilling. Um, so I did that and then I started with these characters and I just started writing their, their story. And, um, and it's also, you know, I read a lot about climate crisis. So it was really a lot of that as well. Like, right. Um, and the script, the script is about these colonists, but it's also really a love song to earth because I just love it so much. Right. Um, so that's woven in and yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, it almost, it seems like the motivation for, for leaving earth is the the almost the disillusion of of how what Earth became? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's that's it's, it's really sad. That's actually a, a sad story. I'll be honest with you. <laughs> well, it, is, it has a it has a happy ending, or you know, it it leaves on an, an upbeat little yeah. note. So yeah. it is. But I think that I think also really what I walked away with was that like why are we spending so much money focusing on going to Mars when I feel, I feel like we should be spending that money and cleaning up everything here and then right. we should go explore other planets because that's really, right. that's an, one of the themes of the, of the script is that, you know, right. what we do here, we're just going to do there. And we think we what? can run away from it, but we can't like humans are going to be humans unless we all decide to collectively shift. So right. I advocate like, let's, Let's just clean up the mess here, and then right. absolutely, let's go explore other planets. Let's let's go as well, far as we can go. Well, in Kennedy's era, I, I could understand why the, the fight and the struggle to get to the moon and, and the space program was so darn important for them to get up there mm-hmm. and, and be there before the Russians and the Chinese and and what sure. have you. But nowadays, I can see it. It really the conversation wrapping around going, no, we should really focus on the earth because we literally have probably another decade before right. we're going to get into real trouble. 
here with, with, right. with landscape and, 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 and land and water and how it's going to raise and, and the environment is just being destroyed. And, and uh, Absolutely. I can see, I can see how, you know, an Elon Musk can really, really do a lot of good. I mean, he's a genius. He can do a lot of good on this planet. So focusing on another planet just seems like a waste almost. I agree. And I, I feel like it's, it's almost like hubris really like, yeah. This idea like, Oh, I will be the one to save human, human race. Right. And I will create this and I will be king of we'll Mars. save them here. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Like, I mean, we have everything we need here. So let's, let's just do that first. I can't agree. Yeah. more. Let's, I mean, why, why would you like really Greta? Amazing. I mean, poor Greta. She's like a 16-year-old girl trying to save the Earth, and then Elon Musk yeah. is trying to get us into Mars. It's like, why don't you just take over after the 16-year-old girl and try saving the Earth yeah. first? And I I mean, exactly. Like, I mean, and there's a lot. You could be proud of that. Like, you could be celebrated yeah. here for that, you know, creating absolutely, you know, g- greener infrastructure and creating a greener economy and better jobs and Right. More jobs. Yeah. More jobs, different paying jobs, different power conservation, different power Mm -hmm. distribution, the the destruction of, 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 of coal or even fossil fuels. I mean, he could be, he can really be the person who sends us into the uh, 22nd century, but instead it's like, you know, let's let's go to Mars. Like, I don't, I don't want to go to Mars. (laughs) (laughs) I want to stay here. I mean, I agree. I would, I would go to like visit it, but yeah, sure. rather, I feel like, again, the more you learn about our solar system and the planets we actually could reach and the moons we could reach, like why we should, right. this place is incredible. It's so beautiful. It, 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 it um, almost seems like the conversations for a different generation and not even our generation, just for a future generation should, should really, I mean, when I things are chilled out and cooled down and, and we got things going right then we can have this discussion about going to Mars and, 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 and Jupiter and, and, and to the outskirts of, of, our, of, our, of our galaxy. Yeah, I agree. Um, that'd, be, that'd be a great movie. But, you know, it, it, makes, sense to, it <laughs> makes sense to me why in your film uh, she is so motivated to leave because it seems like all the things that we're talking about have come to flourishion. So she has exactly. to yeah, so, and that's what I started with. Like, things had to be really, really bad here for somebody to want to leave um, permanently. And that right. you, you'd you have to lose everything. Right. You'd have to lose a lot to, to really propel you into that trajectory. So, right. um, which is interesting. And then in the script, there's like, you know, there's this pandemic, as I mentioned, and basically everyone loses everyone they love. So, right. You, know, you said children. You, you said children were not being born anymore. Mhm. Mhm. Wow. So I feel yeah. like that would be compelling enough to. to That's a motivational factor right there. Yeah. 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 So. Um, so that's what I created, and I'm really, really. I don't know. It's it's so fun, you know, to create these worlds and these people that you you just right. love so much, and. Um, do you dream, yeah, do you dream about them? People. Do you do you think about them on your off time as well? When I'm writing the scripts, I don't dream about them, but I'll, um, when I'm taking walks or running or working out or yeah. whatever it is or driving, they definitely, you know, they do come to life in my head and these ideas pop in and, you know, lines of dialogue or moments or right. that sort of thing. Do you experience that as well? Yeah, I, I see my films like movies. And then when I go for my walks or I go for my, 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 my things, I'll see them as movies from the very beginning to the very end. So I'll just replay mm-hmm. the movie back again as if it's a film. 
So I, I feel like I've seen my movie about a thousand times now. That's awesome. Yeah. But I've never really asked anybody else. I mean, I thank God for the radio show. I, I get to ask people their process because in the past, I've never really asked writers what their process is because I've normally never really cared because I don't want to get tied into anybody else's process. I have my own process. That's the way it is. And, and, I, and I enjoy it. But with the radio show, mm-hmm. I, I very much enjoy listening to everybody else's process because it is all very different. Everybody else has their very different way of approaching their work. Yeah, I actually love hearing about process to a certain point, but I, I do find yeah. it really fascinating. And I mean, I'm always looking for smarter and more efficient ways to work as well. So if there's anything right. I can glean from that, I'll take it. Right. Cause, right. Yeah. Now, a lot of a lot of my process is through imagery. So I'll see a lot of imagery, and then I'll then I'll mm-hmm. describe I'll describe that imagery. So it's like seeing the map and then writing what I saw in that map. If that makes sense to you. Well, that makes sense because you're a photographer. You know, you're very yeah. visual. So, of course, you very see visual. it first. Yeah. And then, yeah. yeah. No, that makes yeah. total sense. Well, when I was 10 years old, my, my mom rented two movies for me for my 10th birthday, which is uh, The Secret of Nim and, nice. uh, and Rambo, First Blood. <laughs> that's, that's a so good double it, feature. Yeah, so it's been it's been a very it's been a very eclectic growing up for me. So you know, uh-huh. I, I, I for my family, you know, I was born Roman Catholic, so you know, sex was out of the question. But anything with violence was totally fine. Oh my gosh! Uh, <laughs> How did you grow up you, with, yeah, with film? My... I'm sorry. How did you grow up with film? Did you grow up the same way, or did you watch a lot of movies growing up? I did. I um. I, you know, I grew up in the 80s, so I watched a ton of fantasy films. Like um, The NeverEnding Story and The Dark Crystal were, like, my go-tos growing oh, up Dark entirely. Crystal is amazing, yeah. Oh, God. Did you, did, you so watch good, a Netflix, so... did you watch a Netflix movie on that? No, I haven't yet, but, I mean, now no? I have time, so. Oh, my God, you're missing out. I've watched it three Absolutely. times, like, I want to memorize it. It's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> it's it is. It's like, it, it's brilliant. It's just such a beautiful piece of work. And yeah, um, I should, I, I'll check it out. Yeah, probably please do. This upcoming week. Please do. Um, well, so what else did you watch? Well, I mean, a ton. I mean, I feel like, you know, Pee-wee I don't Herman know if you had the same. And... Yeah. Yeah. Like I was just absorbing content constantly. And then I really have to give it to my mother because she would watch all these weird foreign films and all these weird independent films and, um, just like different, different voices. So, um, and I would, I would get exposed to that. And, you know, we always had to close our eyes during the sexy parts. Um, (laughs) but, but I, so I, I really got exposed to these different voices and, um, these different storylines. Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, we saw all the classic stuff too, but I still find like, even as my adult self, I, I, there's still like a handful of films. Like I just never saw because, my family didn't see them. Like, really? I've never seen Jaws all the way through. Or... Get out of here! I know, I know, it's terrible. I'm a terrible filmmaker. Wow. Um, I know, I know. He's in the Godfather. Like scary stuff. Um, yes. Yeah. Okay. Absolutely. Okay. 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 I can That's stay fine. on the show. <laughs> get out get out of here right now well i remember you know, there's a great episode of, of the family guy where they think they're all going to die and peter goes i've never i've never seen the godfather and they all attack him 
And it's like they only have <laughs> they only have minutes to live, and they they all just want to kill right. him after they say that he says that. This is one of the greatest movies ever made. So it's 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 True. really a fantastic. You know, people say it's Citizen Kane, but I I would argue that point forever. I I don't I don't think so. Uh, there's a lot better films than that. It's like like Charlie Chaplin has made some amazing films, amazing films. So wait, back up a bit. Are you advocating that Godfather is better than Citizen Kane, or Citizen Kane is better than the Godfather? No, no, no. Godfather is better is way better than Citizen Kane because you know I I've, I I've watched Citizen Kane. You. you know I watched Citizen Kane so many times. Like you know Rosebud, give me a break. Just give, uh, give me a break. I I got it. I got it. Well, I think the thing is, though, like, I think the thing is, is that when it came out, that's what it was like, because it propelled us forward so much in our filmmaking and the narration and and the way it was edited. And then we just got used to it because that was the new way to do things. And, you know, right. Absolutely. Um, But yes, I I think, yeah, during the time, I mean, it it was, it was definitely the cat's meow. But now, Mm -hmm. now that you have other films that are being made, I mean, yeah, yeah, it is the stepping stone to the films that we we have today. And that's what you have to give honors to. But yeah. to consistently say that it's the best film ever made, that, that, that's subjective. That's subjective I really, totally really agree. fast. You know, because to some people, the never ending story is going to be the best film ever made. And I'm not going to argue with that person. Uh, I think one of the best <laughs> movies, <laughs> you know what I mean? One of the best movies I've ever seen in my life is like uh, Somewhere in Time with Christopher Reeve and Jane oh. Seymour. I mean, that makes me cry so every single time. That's, I mean, that's like technically a sci fi, right? Because he travels. Yeah. It is sci-fi. Yeah. yeah. It's time travel. Yeah, my, yeah, yeah. My mother, that was one of my mother's favorite films, that and Babette's Teeth. So I've seen it oh, somewhere yeah. in time. Like, it's so good. Oh, it's so heartbreaking too, right? Oh, yeah. Richard, Seymour. Richard. <laughs> I have the soundtrack. I have got the movie on VHS and on DVD. I, I, I love that movie so much. And Christopher Reeve, I mean, that, that guy was an angel. I mean, watching yeah. him in that film, he, I mean, you can definitely see why so many people fell in love with him. Yeah. Yeah, he was, I mean, there's like, there's just sometimes those actors that are, they're just extraordinary and they really capture something in, right. in a way that nobody else does. And he was one of them. He was so talented and he was handsome and right. uh, intelligent and just heartbreaking. Like, like that's one of the most heartbreaking films, I think. It um, is. I've thought like, a lot about that film. It seems like your mom was was a, a big motivational factor in, in like your your at least your film library. Truly, she was, and I feel really really lucky for that. She's you know she's kind of a different lady. She sees the world differently. She thinks differently. Um, and nothing wrong with that. That into our yeah no I think that's we need that more than ever. Like I'm absolutely I appreciate you know growing up it was a little hard because right. You just want to be, you know, you just want to fit in, and that was never going to happen. Right. Um, right. But now, <laughs> but now I'm really, really grateful. Right. Hindsight <laughs> is twenty twenty. I'm telling you. Exactly. <laughs> um, yeah. So no, what do you? What did, do you and, go ahead. No, please continue. No, I was, I was just going to harp more on that um, about oh, how please. she really did shift and and help expand. Um, kind of, you know, like when Parasite won all the Oscars this year and um, they mentioned like, oh, if you can get beyond these subtitles, you will have this whole new world of film to you. And to me, I mean, that's just heartbreaking because it's like, how could you, how could you not grow up with Chinese cinema? Like right. Chinese cinema is amazing and it all is. these amazing foreign films. Yeah. And like, Jap- Japanese yeah. cinema, like The Seven Samurai and a lot oh of films gosh, by, by Kurosawa. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, they Italian just blow your mind. French. Oh, exactly. oh, yeah. French filmmaking, like Red, White, and Blue, which was a great, great mm-hmm. movie. La Femme Nikita was a, was mm-hmm. a brilliant movie. Yeah, absolutely. It, it makes even you like, sad, but, but... Oh, like New you, Wave. Like, where would we be without New Wave? Exactly. Um, and what were you going to say about feeling sad for people, I'm assuming? <laughs> I, feel, I, feel, I feel... No, I was, I was going to repeat what you were saying, that I feel sad for people who don't... Uh, who don't read uh, subtitles and what have you, or, or want to hear the over dialogue. They want to hear the, you yeah, know, they, the want to, they want to, they want to hear the, the subbing. It's like, no, that's not the way it was made. It was made, it was made like this. And plus when you watch the subbing, they change the words a lot of times. They do. Yeah. And it's like they that, do. you know, that changes a lot of the motivational factors of the characters. Yeah. Translation, translation is, is huge. Um, yeah. it's interesting because everywhere else in the world, they do do dubbing. Um, right. and it's quite an in- industry, but like here, like I love reading subtitles and I also love hearing right. the language. Right. Um, and I know sometimes it kind of takes away from the film visually cause you're reading these subtitles, but not too much. Right. It's not, not too much. It's not a sacrifice. Yeah. No. What I'll, what I'll often do is I'll, I'll read the subtitles once around. And if I really like the film, I'll see the second time around and I'll know what they've said before and I'll just watch mm-hmm. it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's. I think that's the best way to do it, and then yeah. really catch up on these visuals. Have you seen um, Portrait of a Lady on Fire yet? I have. What did you think? Did you like it? I thought it was wonderful. I thought it was exquisite. It's kind of yeah. it just like reminded me why I love French cinema. Um, oh yeah. And now it's available French... on Hulu, so I want everyone yeah. to watch it. Well, that's a great point to make to, to the audience right now. Is, is go watch it. Go watch that. You have no excuse not to go watch that film, everybody. <laughs> if you're sitting at home. <laughs> if you're sitting at home. And also Fifth Passenger. Let's not forget about Fifth Passenger that's on on uh, on Amazon Prime. I mean, we, we have a couple yeah. thousand people listening right now. and They, they should go watch Fifth Passenger. Let's bring up Absolutely. those numbers. Let's go. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, continue that discussion about science fiction and space and people in space. You know, with Fifth Passenger, you're you're very fortunate to have those friends who let you use uh, your their their set. I mean that that's mm-hmm. one of the key that's one of the key reasons why you're able to finish that film was was they were able to, you were able to use those sets and get get them done. Does does it feel nice? To, I mean, it, I'm asking an obvious question. It must feel really nice to have people reach out to you and, and help you out in those moments. It was. It was. I mean, it was huge they did us such a service and they were so kind to give us access to their sets and, and really enable us to make this project because, you know, it's, it's the type of film where you can't just pick up a camera and sit in your living room or take a road trip. You know, we really, we had to have some sort of set and Scott and I had been looking for a really long time. Like we even searched on Craigslist one time. We're like, maybe we just can get a spaceship. And we actually found one. (laughs) <laughs> um, but we didn't have the money and, um, it was like in some person's storage. Um, but yeah, Mark and Elaine, um, forever indebted to them. They really, they really helped us out there and, um, we got really lucky and it was a little eerie because, you know, through this process of trying to create this film, Scott and I had, we just tried to build up the project as much as we could with what we had. So, you know, we right. had the budget and the schedule done and we hired this costume designer to kind of make these costumes and draw them out. And what would this look like? And we create all these visuals. And then we also had some renderings done of what this ship would look like. And 
looking back, it was almost identical. Like the door that the artist we had, um, Eric, he was amazing. Um, he had created this, you know, interior of this ship and the door was identical to the door that we had um, on the space command sets. And then like, right. um, almost everything was identical. It wasn't the, the renderings we'd done were a little bit smaller, like the space command set, the main, um, the main set was bigger, but it was pretty close. So that was, that was kind of neat to look back at these pictures of these things that we had created and it matched. That's um, wonderful. Almost perfectly. Yeah. It it sounds, was great. It it was really the whole cool. thing sounds like a blessing. It was, it was, it was amazing. And, you know, so many people gave so much and right. um, were really passionate about this project. And I didn't, I never took that for granted because it's something really special. Like I mentioned, like no, usually people, you know, there's so much art out there and why should they care? There's so many voices, right. there's so many people. So when you're able to really have this community come around you and devote themselves and then just like the no, talent you, too, you know, we had, yeah. we had no money. So it's not like people were really getting paid well. Um, and so people really, really all helped us out a lot. No, you're absolutely right. I mean, we have Disney Plus, we have Apple Plus, we have Hulu, we have Amazon, we have Netflix. There, there, there are so many people making so many projects for these people to, to you know, reach out and, and put their necks on the line for you. That, that must feel amazing. It did. It was, it was really kind. And especially because, you know, Scott was a first-time director and I was – you know, the lead in this movie and I don't have exceedingly strong credits. And so, right. um, you know, like, it's not like we had this massive body of work behind us to back us up. And, you know, I think some of the people, um, just because it happened so often, they didn't, you know, nobody knew if we were going to be able to finish it really. And so it was a bit of a gamble, but people were, they were really kind. And, you know, Manu really helped us with that, convincing these people to come on board. And Ryan yeah. was great helping us with that. And everyone, everyone who came on. And, and even even when it's a small thing, um, like this man named John came on and would help us build sets just because he was so excited about the project. Like, that was huge. That's, that's wonderful. You know, was, with, your, really with your experience from Fifth Passenger, what, what, do you, what, do you, what do you desire? What would you put in your, like, your, your little chest of desirable things that you want for Colony One? Um, well, I mean, I hope that Colony One – so Colony One, when I wrote it, I mean, I usually – I try to – I'm similar to you yeah. where I try to write something I know I can make. And with Colony One, I just I – just, idea grabbed onto me so tightly and I couldn't let it go. So I was like, okay, I'm just going right. to write this thing. So it's a bit big. So I'm being realistic and knowing that I myself can't make this thing because it's just, it's too big. Right. Um, but going forward. I know that, I know that feeling. Different. Yeah, I know. And then, so it's like, you know, as an artist, like, you know, it's this debate. Oh, do I even write this thing or do I bother? Um, of course you do. I don't know. Of course you do. Yeah, I think so. I think when you, I think when you're called and, and you feel compelled to create something, um, there's a reason for that, and you just have to trust that. And I, 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 I do it. believe there's a certain amount of depression and madness that would come for you not completing that project that was called upon you, because it it, you definitely were touched to create this project. Mm -hmm. So I think to ignore yeah. that would, would cause a certain amount of, of creative madness. I agree. I agree. And then also yeah. I almost have this thing where it's like um, – if you don't make this thing, because every time you make something or you create something, it leads to the next thing. So, um, right. and you learn and you evolve and then 
the next project is colored by your previous work. So, right. um, so yeah, so Colony One right now just lives as a script, but I would love for it to become more, of course. And then the current project I'm outlining, um, what I hope to take, you know, what I learned from Fifth Passenger and meeting all these great people and how to create this, I, my intention is to take all that knowledge and all these tools that I have now and to pour it into this new one that's hopefully I'm writing in mind for, you know, much smaller budget and um, hopefully something I can make again and, and just taking all of that, all of that that I learned from Fifth Passenger and pouring it into this new project. Nice. Morgan, we, we'd love talking to you today. You know, you're such a wonderful guest and, and you shared such pertinent information. Let me ask you a question. You know, if, if you had a young girl right now in Chico that was let's just say she's 12 years old and she's listening to this broadcast right now. Is there any advice you would give her on, on what to do when she moved to LA, when she's 18 years old, anything to focus on or, or, or things that not to think of or to think of when she was here? Yeah. Um, <laughs> I would tell her, I would, you know, tell anyone, I think you just have to really just start creating and, and that, uh, you know, you're a capable person and that you can do this because other people have done it. And that means you can as well. And to not wait and to not let all of these contrary or negative voices, you know, because there, there is a lot of that, I think, especially for women, you know, this constant string of negativity about looks and capability. And I believe that that's changing a lot, but um, just to keep doing it and to not listen to all that and don't worry about it. Do you think negativity really lies a lot within the Hollywood sphere or the creative sphere? Well, um, yes and no. I mean, I think my experience as an actor is that is that you walk into this room to audition, and you know they have this idea in mind, and they want to they want to get that person. They know what they want, and they want this role to come alive, and and that's you know I've I've cast people and that's what you're looking for but as right. an actor when you're walking into that room of course you take it I mean you're getting judged on your very being and so <laughs> and so you know you know it's it, it's not what they want or you know and that's not your fault it's not their fault and right it's no one no one's to blame but it's I think it's very hard um to to do that to constantly submit yourself to that and and to be judged on your very being and then to get rejected time and time again. And that's okay. Like right. that's the job. That's what you signed up for. Right. And right. it's totally fine, but it's, it does, you know, it does, how can it not affect you sometimes? Um, and I think that's why for me, um, and I, I think now definitely like roles are changing and our media is changing, like it's becoming different and sophisticated. Right. And there's a lot of more meaty roles for women, but that's really just starting to happen. And I mean, and by just, I mean like five, 10 years ago, but it's becoming more and more plentiful even just this year. And and because of all this constant. And so it's exciting, but for a long time, a lot of what I was seeing was like the prostitute with the heart of gold, (laughs) the mother who loves her children more than anything. And and all these things that I just constantly, yeah, I just, for me, you know, I grew up the way I grew up and with my mother, right? And, right, and right. these 
Like I, I never saw myself in these roles. I just didn't. Right. So that's why I, I, I had to like start Sophie's choice because, or something like that. Yeah. 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 Like, <laughs> um, and so, yeah. And so I think, I think creating these, these voices and creating these roles or creating this content that you want to see in the world, I think that's so empowering and so positive. And why wouldn't you? Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, I was, I, we were talking about casting. I've worked in casting for, for quite a long time. And we're, I was part of the casting for Doug Jones's uh, Nasferatu. And oh, cool. Yeah, it was very cool. I, I sent them all the pictures of all the forms and said, hey, I'm working on your film. And, you know, I was, I was given the chance to bring in a friend of mine who's a very well-known mm-hmm. actor to, to try out the part for, for the film. And he's a very well-known actor, and they really wanted him to be in the film. And when he came in and, and he did his bit, they, they didn't like it. He wasn't, he wasn't not right for the film to them, yeah. them but they, they yeah. really loved it. But it, it showed me how kind of ancillary and how, how kind of picky and how non-personal casting can be, mm-hmm. but how personal mm-hmm. it can be to the actor or actress. Yeah. And I, that's the part where you kind of feel bad. It's like, it's not really personal to a large extent. You have to fit the role. You have to fit the part. Exactly. Yeah. And, and I think, you know, um, you don't know that until you start doing casting. Cause when, when you do casting, it's such a light bulb, like, Oh, I get it now. Like, and even, you know, so for David Lim's character of Lee, yeah. we really had to go out and cast that. And so we brought in all these amazing actors and it was, I actually really enjoyed it. For me, I love seeing these words on yeah. different people and seeing what they bring to it. And there's this one actor, he was amazing. He, he was almost, he kind of had this like slimy way of doing it. And it was so cool. And, <laughs> and, 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 and it was brilliant. It was, and it was really neat to see the character played that way. But at the end, you know, it wasn't really what we were going for. And, right. um, and then when we saw David, um, David Lim's performance, he sent in a tape almost kind of last minute. Um, we just saw it and you're like, Oh, that's him. That's, you know, that's Lee. That's, who we always right. imagined and it just made sense. And so, but again, you know, if, if you've never done casting, you're right. And you know, you, you doubt yourself like, Oh, was it my performance? And maybe it was, right. but you know, it often isn't. It's just, it's like, they just wanted this different flavor. They just wanted a right. different flavor than what you're offering. Right. It, it's almost like, it's almost like dating, you know, it's, it's like, mm-hmm. you know, I thought you said you wanted the knight in shining armor. I'm a knight in shining armor. It's like, yes, but you're not my knight in shining armor. It's like, you know, (laughs) you know what I mean? So yeah, don't think it's so personal, you know, it's, it's, it's not, you know, it's not so big of a deal. It's, it's just the way it is. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. You know, it was, it was wonderful talking to you and thank you for taking your time out to, to, uh, to be with us and to talk about your career and, and, and and your, your family and your studies. Uh, The, everybody wants to know how they can be in touch with you, how they can watch your career build and, and, and things like that. What, what social media do you have that they can, they, they can watch and, and listen to and, and see your, see your, uh, your story. Um, well, first off, thank you so much for having me. I really enjoyed talking to you all those years ago with Scott and I always appreciated how passionate and supportive you were of Fifth passenger. And I was really thrilled to speak to you again today. Um, Thank you. And I'm on Instagram um, at Morgan Lariah and then Twitter, but Twitter's a little, it's been a little dormant lately. So Instagram right. is definitely the way to go. Um, and that's really the best way. And I mean, I love, I love talking to people and 
I appreciate everyone who watches the movie and cares about sci-fi and loves talking about social issues. So, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, thank you so much for having me. I, I re- really enjoy speaking with you, Steve. It's good. You too. I can't wait to have you on again and talk about your new film and, and, and the process you, you know, it's going to be huge. I mean, you're going to be huge. So I'm, I'm very glad that I was able to get you before you're, you're going to be untouchable. One of these you're days, very kind. You know, it's going to be, it's going to be, you're going to be unavailable for these, for these, uh, these podcasts and what have you, but it was so wonderful to have you on today and, and bless you and, and please stay healthy and, you, uh, and please, you know, keep, keep us up to date with, with what you're doing and, and, and what you do, what you're up to. I will. I definitely will, Steve. Thank you so much. Morgan. That's Morgan Leroy right there. Thank you so much. Have yourself a great day, and good luck with your writing group. Thanks. Thanks. Take care. Bye. Bye. Well, that's Morgan Lariah. What an amazing artist. So glad to have her on. Passenger is, is, a, is a fantastic film, uh, really a great sci-fi film, a film of, uh, you know, when you, when you talk to these people about how hard it was to make these movies how difficult it was to bring people together and to get things done, especially for such a, I don't know. I mean, you have to have high inspiration to make and and high motivation to make these kind of films in in sci-fi because they're so difficult to make. They're, they're not very cost efficient. I mean, you, you need a lot of money and you need a lot of sources and you need to have luck on your side a lot of times. And blessings. It seemed like they had all those things. What's great about these films, or at least Fifth Passenger, I would say, is these people obviously have earned, earned those things. They worked hard. They captivated an audience, captivated a crew, a crew of their own. Some of the Trek guys like Manu and Hana Hate and Doug Jones brought them into there. Scotty Baker, Ryan T. Husk, Morgan Lariah. It's amazing to hear their, their Trek. I'm making their film. And why wouldn't I support such an amazing people created such an amazing piece of art I'm looking forward to seeing Call Anyone the feature film Morgan Lariah is going to make it great she's an excellent artist and an inspiration to us all thank you very much Morgan Lariah for being on our show today we will always support you in your career We can't wait, and we're looking forward to seeing what you come up with next in your future career. And thank you, everybody, for listening in today. I know it's a stressful time for everybody. Take a little time for yourself. Take a little time to tell the people in your life that you love them. And you care about them. You want the best for them. This whole thing won't last forever. Life won't last forever. This pandemic won't last forever. One day we'll be dust in the wind. 
The only thing you'll have are the memories that you've created and the impact you've had on other people's lives. Make that impact count. Start now if you haven't started before. Tell those people you love them. And if you can't do that, tell yourself you love yourself. And you forgive yourself. How could you move on and tell other people you love them and you forgive them if you can't love and forgive yourself? Let's really change as people. Let's take this time to change. To really make a difference in our lives. We talked about that with Morgan Laraya. About why go to Mars. When we can do everything we can right now while we're here. Let's work on ourselves while we're here. Let's work on everything we thought we could work on while we're here. Thank you, everybody, for joining us today for another episode of Cinema Files Radio, hosted by me, Steve Pisa. I love you all. I appreciate you listening in. Blessings to you all. Be safe. Be kind to one another. Be happy. Signing off. Have yourselves a great weekend. And I'll be talking to you soon.